So again, uh, some of you are feeling more like uh, Brandon in that video, uh, where you're excited to be here this morning. Uh, some of you are feeling more like Stephanie this morning. Regardless, we're glad to have you here again. At any point in the morning, you need to get up, stretch your legs, go to your restroom, grab coffee, refreshments. Feel free to do that. A couple of you asked this morning, am I going to need my Bible? Uh, we are going to go to God's Word this morning, uh, the course of the morning, but we're going to put all the Scripture on the screen. So if you did not bring your Bible in, you'll be in good shape. We're going to be mostly diving into the book of Proverbs as we think about how to grow in our marriage and family relationships this morning. We're going to start here, uh, session one, by uh, this message we're calling Let's Talk Improving Communication. Uh, we know that uh, communication is important for lots of different reasons, but here's a few reasons why we think it's important to address that related to our home lives. Good communication is essential for establishing and maintaining healthy relationships, okay? I believe you're here because you want to um, or already have established a good relationship in your families, uh, but you also want to continue maintaining those as well, and communication is a big essential part about that. We talked about some of that Thursday night in relation to trusting one another, how valuable communication is in that process, but to have and maintain good, healthy relationships, good communication is an important part of that. Second one here. Good communication is essential for resolving problems and conflict, okay? Next message we're going to have here in about 30, 40 minutes is going to be on resolving conflict. We start with communication because once you develop good communication skills, it will help you to be able to resolve any problems or conflict that you come up against. What I'm finding in my marriage relationship and my parenting is that problems and conflict are inevitable, so good communication skills helps us to be able to resolve those in the right manner and in a good timing as well. Third and final one is this. Uh, good communication requires developing skills to effectively send and receive messages. One thing I'm discovering in my married life is it's not just important for me to be able to send communication, to be able to give uh, what I'm feeling or thinking, but I'd also be able to listen to what Maggie is thinking and feeling, what my kids are thinking and feeling. Good communication requires the developing of those skills for both sending and receiving those messages. We're going to start by the first part. I think you begin good communication by starting by listening. I've got a friend that's done overseas countercultural missionary work in Muslim countries for years, uh, really a genius when it comes to how people think and operate. His background before he was in ministry was in biology, so he was going to be a doctor. Uh, then he became this missionary overseas. Uh, knows a lot about how humans think, how we work, how we interact. He says this, listening is the master skill of love. Okay? Jesus being the ultimate picture of that uh, when he was here on the earth with us, Jesus was an incredible listener, able to discern and hear what it was that people were wrestling with and struggling through. I believe if we're going to grow in our communication, starting by listening is a very essential part of that. And then developing those skills demonstrates that we actually love those people that were around. Listening is, I believe, the master skill of love. So we start by listening. We have to realize that the goal of listening is to understand. Okay, the first goal in all of these ways of we're trying to listen is not just to hear the words that somebody's saying or to make them think that we're listening, but to actually understand what it is that they're trying to communicate to us. There's a very real difference between I heard the words that you said and I understand what you're trying to communicate to me. It's very important to realize the goal of listening is to understand. Proverbs 18.2 gives us a great picture of what that looks like. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion, okay? I love Proverbs. We're going to see this several times this morning. Pretty direct, 
pretty blunt, pretty straightforward, uh, cutting right to the chase. This is one of those passages here. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Many times in my married life, we'll talk about some of these uh, scenarios later, but I learned uh, that expressing my opinion uh, was something I was very good at doing. Uh, I was actually operating like a fool in those moments, and it did not help that relationship, uh, trying to get on the same page with Maggie. But instead, I'm working and striving towards being better at understanding um, instead of just expressing my opinion. So again, I start, think we also start by listening by asking good questions, okay? It's important to begin this process by asking our spouse or our kids really good questions. Uh, here's why. Questions really get to the heart of the matter, okay? If you're trying to understand more than just what somebody's trying to communicate to you, asking questions really helps you get to the very deepest part of what is going on, how they're thinking and feeling, and be able to comprehend and walk through that with them. Proverbs 25 tells us, 20 verse 5 says this, The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Okay? What's going on inside of us, what's going on inside of Maggie or my kids at any point in time is like a deep water. It takes a lot of work, a lot of effort to get it out. Am I going to try and strive to be a man of understanding to really come to the conclusion of what they need most from me in those situations, what their expectations are, how to help them the best? Am I willing to ask good questions to draw out what's really gone inside of them? Because what is going on inside of us is always deep, and it takes some work and effort to get there. But what I'm finding is it's worth it every time. But the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water. A man of understanding will draw it out. Here's how we do that by asking good questions, simply asking how, uh, when I said that, how does that make you feel? Um, how do I, um, how, how did that come across to you? Um, what's, what else is going on that's maybe leading you to feel those ways? Some of those kind of questions really help as we walk these things out together. Uh, next part of understanding I think begins like this. Uh, you learn to listen with your eyes and your ears, your ears and your eyes. Okay, listening is not just a process of hearing the words. It's also observing what's going on with your eyes, okay? Um, we're going to talk about some things here of the impact of nonverbal communication. What I'm learning uh, with Maggie, with my kids, with others is that sometimes they will say one thing and mean something entirely different. Okay, Brother Bill was coming in this morning, asked how I was doing, um, and I told him, great. He says, often when people tell me I'm doing great, um, I ask them why, okay? Because sometimes we're pretty good at hiding with our words what's really going on. What's harder to hide is how we're expressing ourselves with our body language and with our tone. So here's some impact of nonverbal communication, okay? 7% of what we communicate to anybody is the content of the message, so the words that we actually use, okay? That's a pretty small percentage. So when I tell you that I'm doing great, um, uh, that's only 7% of what's really I'm trying to communicate, okay? 38% is the tone of when the message is spoken, okay? So there's been times in my married life when Maggie and I have been walking through something together. I'll come home uh, at 6.30 at night when I told her I'd be home at 5, and I say, how was your day? It was great, or it was good, or it was fine. Um, the posture, uh, the tone of her voice, actually, that she's actually communicating that tells me that it probably was not fine, or good or great, okay? Um, sometimes she's been a, having a chaotic day with the kids or some other elements going on in her world. 38% of the tone, so you gotta pay attention to the tone, what it is, how they're sounding, uh, as much or more even than the words that they're using. Then 55% is the body posture that accompanies the message. So when you come home and you ask um, how the day was and they say, fine, Okay? Clearly, that's not really what's going on. But again, this idea of understanding well, having good communication, you start by listening with your eyes and your ears. You ask good questions. You follow through to make sure that you really know 
what's going on. So again, I think that first part is this idea of understanding with our eyes, um, ears in our eyes, listening with that. Okay? So first part is to start by listening. Second part is this. Speak your mind, but not always. Okay? Both of those parts are important for us. Um, Maggie and I are in different camps on this, okay? I have no trouble speaking my mind. Um, I've had to learn in our married life, not always, okay? Maggie's had to learn uh, how to learn to speak her mind. Some of that is because of how we're naturally wired and bent. Some of that is because of the environments that we were raised in our own homes, okay? I grew up on a dairy farm. I told you that. What I did not tell you is my dad was a political science major, Okay? Uh, the only political science major turned dairy farmer maybe in the history of the world. Okay? I don't know of a lot of them out there. Uh, but what I discovered was uh, political science majors like to debate and argue. Okay? My home life growing up would be categorized with uh, the ability to debate and argue about any topic. Uh, my parents thought it was helpful and formative for us to learn, to understand, to rationalize, uh, to make those decisions for ourselves. So we talked everything out. Uh, we argued about a lot of things. I'm also the middle of two brothers. Okay, which means I learned to argue up and down my sibling chain pretty, pretty thoroughly. Um, so I grew up in this environment, this home life that was really um, inviting questioning, inviting dialogue, inviting feedback. Um, so I had to learn in our marriage relationship there were times where in my marriage and in my parenting that that's not so helpful. Maggie's background is a little bit different. She'll share with you next hour or some of that. Uh, but she was kind of raised in an environment that was not t- taught to question or to challenge. Uh, so it took her a long time. We're still working through that sometimes to learn that I actually need to hear what it is she's thinking and feeling. So sometimes she needs to learn to speak her mind more often. Uh, I've got to learn that there's a lot of places and points where that's not so helpful. Okay, so um, here's the reason why I think it's important that we do learn to speak our mind. Uh, simply this, because we can't read each other's minds, Okay. Your spouse, no matter how long you've been married, is not a mind reader. Now, over 10 years of married life, and if you've been married 20, 30, 40, 50 years maybe in this room, you've learned more about your spouse and how to understand what they're thinking than maybe you did early on. But the reality is you don't always know what your spouse is thinking or feeling. We can't read each other's minds. I'm learning with my kids that I think I know what they're thinking, but the reality is when I start asking more questions, they're not really transparent in those ways. I can't always read what Maggie's thinking, what my kids are feeling, so I need to be able to, um, I need to, be able to have her speak her mind uh, she needs to be able to do that and communicate that with me. Um, here's one of the things that I love, uh, one of my favorite quotes even in these mornings. Uh, George Bernard Shaw, great uh, playwriter, says this, the single biggest problem with communication is the illusion it's taken place. Okay? Um, any of you ever had this scenario where you thought you had a conversation with somebody, but it was really an illusion that that conversation never took place? Okay? I'm in this category because I do process a lot of things externally, but I also process a lot of things internally which means there's a lot of times where I had a conversation with Maggie or my kids or somebody else in my head that I was pretty convinced I had talked to them about that scenario, but I hadn't, okay? A lot of times weekend plans, I would be spending all week uh, thinking about what we were going to do on the weekend. Uh, Friday would roll around and I would have this entire scenario created, uh, but I had realized that I had never communicated a single part of those plans to Maggie throughout the week, even though in my mind I had, the single biggest problem with our communication in our relationships is actually the illusion that that communication has taken place. So we've got to work on being able to communicate and speak our minds. There's a second part of this also, the not always part. Uh, I've got a funny video here by uh, a guy that you may know, Tim Hawkins, on some scenarios where it's not always a good idea to speak your mind. Now, I'm not going to have a confession time and show you which of those scenarios I've actually walked through, uh, but there could be some. You're laughing because you know that there's opportunities in our relationships to actually use words that do hurt 
Um, but we also have an opportunity to use words that heal. The reason we don't always speak our mind is because our words do have the power to hurt or to heal. Okay, the reason we need to speak our mind sometimes is we have our words have the power to heal. Sometimes we don't need to because our words have the power to hurt as well. Proverbs 18.21 says this. There we go. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Proverbs 18.21. Our tongues have the power to bring death or life into our relationships. Too many times in my married life, in my parenting life, I've said things um, out of emotion, out of anger, out of frustration, that I realized in that relationship and in that person, I began to degrade, demean, and actually bring death into that relationship. I've also learned that there's real power when I use my words to bring life. And if I do that rightly, um, it's really a reward to those people and to that relationship. We're going to talk about here this morning a few life words and death words that we have. Okay, first of all, life words. The first one, life words are honest Death words are dishonest. In your communication, in our communication, we have an opportunity to be completely honest, partially honest, or dishonest. When we're honest, it actually speaks life into those relationships. When we're dishonest, it brings death to those. Proverbs 26, 28 says this, A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Okay? When you are lying, even partial dishonesty is the same in this category you are saying that you do not like the person, you hate the person that you're saying that to, and a flattering mouth works ring. Flattery is a form of this dishonesty where you're not being completely truthful, you're trying to build somebody up in a way that's not accurate uh, for your own benefit and not for their own. Be careful when we're using our mouth for uh, being uh, honest or dishonest. Here's some examples of flattery or what we like to call creative lying. Okay? Uh, sometimes in our life, we like to use words uh, to creatively lie, to create scenarios or to go with, uh, to help relationships in ways that benefit us but are not helpful for the other person. Again, from that passage, flattery is one of those things. Um, hey, uh, you look uh, great today um, when they really don't. Or, hey, um, when you did that, that was uh, really a great job, but well done. Well, if you're not feeling that same expectation that they met that, that's a form of flattery. Be careful using it in those ways. Um, exaggeration, again, this is one of the ones that I'm most guilty of, um, using terms like always or never, okay, especially in my parenting relationship, I'm, I'm caught, catching myself quite often saying you always do that or you never do this. I'm watching that unfold in my kids. My kids are usually a pretty good barometer of my language, how I'm communicating. Uh, they model that well. I'm catching them saying that a lot. It's probably because I'm modeling that way for them. So exaggeration, words like always and never are not helpful in those uh, relationships in that communication. Sarcasm, another one that I'm guilty of more often, saying one thing uh, but in a tone that means something entirely different or meaning something entirely different with that. I've had to learn sometimes the hard way how, benef how damaging sarcasm is uh, to my marriage and to my parenting. I've had to watch that, and I'm watching now a replication in this nine-year-old son of mine uh, who's becoming pretty sarcastic because I've modeled that out for him over the years, and it takes a lot of time to retrain that part of the brain in my children. Okay? Uh, I've learned also that my four- and five-year-old children do not understand sarcasm. Okay? My nine-year-old is starting to, and he's starting to use it in ways uh, that I'm realizing is not helpful for them, but they're not able to process the emotional intelligence that comes with that. So especially watch that around young children, but watch it around your marriage relationships, your friendships as well. It's usually not language that's helpful in conveying the message that you want to and bringing life into that relationship. Fourth and final one, making empty promises. Okay? Sometimes we enter this uh, parenting relationship with great intentions of doing really meaningful things uh, with and for our kids. Yes, uh, later tonight when I come home, I'll play with you. 
Um, but then the time comes up, lots of opportunities present themselves, and you're not able to do that. Um, you've got to be careful, especially in parenting relationships, but also in marriage, not making empty promises. I'll get to that this weekend, and then not fulfilling that promise are some examples of that. So you've got to be careful of doing that. Uh, again, it's a way of being dishonest and bringing death to your relationships instead of being honest and bringing life. Okay? Another Proverbs for us to kind of guide us through this uh, life and death words. Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. So again, um, when we are being deceitful, when we're not being honest, it will actually crush the spirit of the person that we're trying to communicate with. Again, we've got to move towards gentleness, which helps us think about this next one. Life words are kind. Death words are harsh. Okay? Um, are your, is your communication categorized by kindness or harshness? Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Okay, I think many of us have been in a relationship, maybe our marriages, maybe our parenting, uh, maybe our grandparenting, where uh, we've been in a very conflict-oriented uh, situation, that situation is very tense uh, for us. What we maybe have discovered, that if one person can simply reply softly, kindly, warmly, gently, um, it will actually begin to stir that conversation towards helpful, meaningful resolution. Uh, but what I've also discovered is that I'm, when I'm harsh, it actually only irritates the other person more. I'm more the one prone to respond harshly in our communication. Maggie has uh, taught me well, and I'm learning uh, slowly, but I'm learning how to respond kindly and softly because she's modeled that well for me. When we're in a tense situation, awfully she's able to realize that this moment does not need me to respond harshly, but to respond kindly and softly to help uh, do that. Here's some examples of uh, harsh words. Constant criticism would be one of those. Okay? If you're pessimistic in nature, it can sometimes come very naturally and easy to us to begin criticizing and looking for faults in others or in situations. Be careful of doing that. That's a way of being harsh, of bringing death if you're constantly doing that. Uh, again, I love this, uh, Proverbs 12, 18. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings Healy. When we're harsh with our words, when we're criticizing, um, it actually is inflicting very much damage like a sword does. But again, if we use our tongues and our mouths on a communication wisely, it will actually bring healing into those relationships. Another example of harsh words is cruel joking. Um, I love this proverb. Again, very blunt, very direct, but to the point. Proverbs 26, 18 and 19. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. Okay? Pretty blunt uh, to the point comment there, uh, verse there. Uh, if we are th saying things and then try to come on the back end and say, I was only kidding about that, I was only joking, that's really hard things to walk back on. It's actually throwing death into those relationships. I've been guilty many times in our married relationship of saying something because I meant it, but then trying to walk my steps back by saying I was only kidding. Very difficult to do that. Um, and when I'm op operating that way, um, and I'm uh, operating like a madman, and I don't want to do that, obviously. None of us want to be categorized by that, but by being a person of understanding, a person that's demonstrating wisdom. Another example of harsh words would be nagging. Um, again, I love this passage, Proverbs 27, 15. Quarrelsome wife is as annoying as constant dripping on a rainy day, okay? Now, guys, you may be going, yes, I can relate to that. That could easily say a quarrelsome husband, okay? Um, the categorization there is gender neutral in a lot of ways. Um, when we are quarrelsome, when we're nagging, it's incredibly annoying and incredibly deflating. Uh, we've seen a lot of rainy days around here the last few days. You know how um, uh, constant and uh, that can look. 
Um, again, when we are nagging in these ways, when we're being quarrelsome, when we're always looking for ways to tear down, uh, to criticize, uh, that's kind of how that plays out. Third one here, death, life words and death words. Life words are thoughtful. Death words are hasty. Okay, and again, uh, when we talk about magnetized differences, um, I'm a person that generally just spits out whatever comes to mind, um, and then I try to walk it back later. What I'm learning and trying to learn in both my marriage and parenting is the more I can give thought to the words that I want to communicate, the more I can spend those couple extra seconds running that through my head, um, processing and praying with the Lord before I say those things, the more life that comes into those things. The more quick I'm just to respond with how I'm feeling in the moment with whatever's coming to mind, the more death that comes into those relationships. Proverbs twenty nine twenty. do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Are you hasty with your words or are you thoughtful? Are you taking the time to meditate on, to think about, to discern, to run those through somebody else uh, before you communicate them? As a parenting team, oftentimes Meg and I will have conversations before we go address things with our kids to make sure that we're not responding too harshly or too hastily, but that we're thinking it through and responding in kindness and out of love. Rely on the team in those ways as well. Proverbs 17, 27, here's the flip side of that. Whoever restrains his word has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. When we demonstrate that we can restrain and hold back the things that we're thinking and feeling and be able to communicate that with thoughtfulness, with the right approach, with the right uh, meaning and intentions behind that, it demonstrates that we're a person of understanding and that we actually have knowledge. Here's another example. Again, things to consider when many words are many, transgression is not lacking. Whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Again, lots of truths here in Proverbs about the ways that we can communicate too hastily and not be thoughtful about our words here. Uh, the goal and the heart uh, behind this should look like this, Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the righteous person ponders how to answer but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Are you willing to take the time to ponder and to consider your response, the words that you're using to bring life into those situations instead of responding with what you feel and responding out of your emotions in that moment to be able to bring life into those relationships? So again, life words are honest, kind, and thoughtful. Death words are dishonest, harsh, and hasty. Be very intentional about the words that you're using, remembering that your words, our words have the power to heal or to hurt. And again, finally, speak your mind, but not always. Timing is critical. Okay? In our communication, it's not just about the, uh, being able to communicate what it is that we're thinking or feeling or being able to listen and discern what's going on. The timing of those conversations matters as much as any of the rest of that. Um, I've learned that sometimes uh, conversations, we joked about this uh, the other night, that conversations after 10 o'clock at night with Maggie are not the best timing uh, for those conversations. No matter how much I feel like it's a good timing for that, um, what's in her best interest, what's in the best interest of my kids or whoever I'm trying to communicate with to be able to consider what is their needs for that moment, what's the best time to be able to communicate those things. Um, I always grew up with this uh, thought process that um, as long as I'm bothered or worried about something, I should address it right then in the moment. I think there's some wisdom in that, but there's been other times I've learned that this timing for this conversation is not right now. Okay? There's other things more important than this uh, relationship right now than addressing this issue. Being considerate of the timing of that, I think, is really important. And often what I've learned, if I can defer to what's best interest of the person I'm trying to communicate that to, it's better to be on their timeline than my own. The timing of our communication is critical. 
Uh, when we do these things, when we put that to heart, um, I love, again, this picture in Proverbs gives us a great picture for how all of this communication can and should work. Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. All of us in our relationships want to have things said to us, our communication be done with us and to us in a way that's fitting. It's wonderful for us when we can say not only just the right thing, but be able to say that in the right time because a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Okay, well-known Proverbs verse here. A word that is said uh, with the right intentions in mind. What's best for the other person? What's the, what do they need to hear? Am I bringing life into this? Is the timing of this correct? Is like this apples of gold sitting in a setting of silver, this wonderful thing that brings life and nourishment but is also something to be treasured? Is your communication modeled by that? Uh, why, uh, why is this uh, so challenging for us? Why is communication something that we struggle with at times? Again, I think Proverbs gives us a good picture, or James gives us a picture of that. Because no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Okay? Before I became a believer, and even now that I'm being uh, worked out, the sanctification of my life is being worked out with Christ, what I'm realizing is that my tongue is not something that I can tame, can tame in my own power. It is constantly looking for avenues to destroy, to tear down, to hurt. Um, I cannot in my own strength be able to tame my tongue. I need Christ's help for that. I've got to ask God to transfer what I'm communicating with my mouth in ways that is beneficial for others. So here's a prayer that I'm praying in relation to that. I think a great prayer for us uh, from Psalm. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Okay? When I think about these uh, messages and these truths and the ways I'm trying to grow in these ways, this prayer is about as good as they come uh, towards that end. God, help me guard my mouth, the things that I'm saying, the things I want to say. Don't let the things that I'm feeling spew out. Help me keep a watch over the doors of my lips. I think it's a great prayer for us in relation to this. Uh, we've got a video here. It's a song uh, that was popular on the radio a few years ago, but I think this gives this great picture of how our words can actually uh, bring life into our relationships and the prayers that we can pray in relation to that. So we're going to play this video. I've got a few questions for you to think about and talk about at tables together this morning. God, I don't want to say a word unless it points the world back to you. What an incredible opportunity we have, not only in our marriage relationships or our family relationships, but to impact the world around us when we use our words in the right kind of way, in the right timing, in the right tone, in the right intentions of benefiting the other people around us and pointing them to the person and work of Christ. Love that. Here's some life in action challenge for you this morning. Again, you can take a few minutes here at the break that we're going to have and talk about these at the table together as well. Evaluate your listening skills asking, what can I do to become a better listener? Okay, do you need to seek to be uh, understanding more? Do you need to be learning to ask good questions? Do you just need to be able to be clued in to listening with not only your ears, but also your eyes as well? What is it that you need to grow in? Those listening skills that we listed, asking what you can do to become a better listener. Second one is this. Are there any death words that you need to stop using? Okay, and I'm not using about words that just mean death, but these examples that we gave earlier. Do you need to be less dishonest? Do you need to be less hasty? Do you need to be more thoughtful? What are the things that you need to do uh, to be able to make that change and stop putting on death words into your relationships, but start bringing life into those things? How can you make these changes, these steps to growing, uh, to be able to communicate what it is that you're thinking and feeling, the things that will point actually people to Christ, but doing it in a way that will represent a God to the world in this beautiful way, as well, and our words have power to do that.
Okay, so I'm going to pray for us here. We'll take a break until, nine, or until 10 o'clock. Uh, so we'll have about a 10-minute break to use restrooms, grab some more food they put out there. Looks like more coffee. Uh, spend some time talking about that as couples or at the tables there. Uh, and we'll jump back in here at 10 o'clock. God, thank you so much again for this morning. Thank you for every person that you've brought here, the ways that you want to help us grow together to become more like you, to have families that, resi- uh, that just radiate your goodness and your glory to the world around us. Help us, God, to consider with our areas of communication how we can listen better, how we can also speak, God, the things you lay in our heart, uh, but to do so in a way that honors you and points the world back to you. May our marriages, may our families represent this picture of good communication, to be able to listen to one another, um, understand one another, but also be able to speak uh, things into each other's lives that will help us grow in our relationship with you. Praying that for my life today and for my friends in this room, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 10-minute break. We'll see you back here at 10 o'clock.